For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hi, this is Private Dick Simmons from the popular web series Red vs. Blue, and you're listening to The Geek Show, Sarge Approved. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Geek Show, the geekiest show on earth, probably, maybe. Uh, we today we have Dave, which is me. We also have a Rob. Hello. You? And we have a Ben. Hey. What did we do to deserve having a Ben? I don't know. <laughs> you have done something seriously. Past life. I, I blame our past lives. You either did something seriously wrong, or something absolutely amazing in a past life. Yes, and uh, today's topic on the show is fish out of water. Like, I'm miming a fish out of water. Emilio. Emilio was out of water and it died. Emilio? Kill Bill. Pass. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Move on. When you said fish out of water, I was immediately thinking Nemo. (laughs) Yeah. It's mostly in water for the majority of the film. Yeah. Mine. A couple of scenes. Mine. 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 Let's go! Yes. Anyway, uh, we got some news. Uh, E.T. has been found. So, this legendary dumping site. For uh, the game that broke Atari. It co- well, it didn't cause a video game crash. No, it, it broke the company, Atari. Yeah. Um, Atari spent a fortune on making and marketing this game. And it was so bad, it's been hailed as the worst game ever made. 
and yeah. basically led to a landfill site full of unsold somewhere, cartridges. Somewhere in the New Mexican desert. For years, Atari no, have denied existed. Yeah, it yeah. became something like an urban myth. Yeah. You know, everyone was sure Atari had filled, uh, had basically dug a hole somewhere in the desert, filled it with all of these uh, games that wouldn't sell, literally thousands of cartridges, you know, possibly tens of thousands of yeah. cartridges, uh, all of them, or most of them, E.T., and just basically covered the top of it and left it. Have you actually played it? E.T., yes. How did you find it? I found it very, very strange. It's very difficult to play. Even with a walkthrough, we took about four hours to get all the way through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so obscure. And yeah, bizarre. but that's with a walkthrough. Like, I didn't yeah. have a walkthrough, so I, mean, I was sitting there going, what the hell the am I doing? The main mechanic is falling into holes? Yes, I know. What? <laughs> that, that's usually a bad thing in games. Well, you fall into holes. Sometimes there's something in them. Sometimes there isn't. The FBI tried to catch you. There's nothing explained in the game. There's just a guy like. See, to catch do you know you. the weird thing when you uh, when you put it like that? It's kind of the precursor to Portal. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the holes don't link to other holes. <laughs> but <laughs> you see my point. <laughs> we don't have an aperture portable <laughs> hole uh, <laughs> device. But it's ET. Yeah, it's supposed to be right. sci-fi. Why didn't you have one of those? The aperture portal hole making device is just a spade. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, so is this the kind of spade where you dig long enough you end up in China? Yep. <laughs> or even worse, you'll end up in a hole in the desert. In the New Mexico tea. desert. <laughs> it's sounding more like the Great Escape every day. <laughs> so they found it. Yes, they so found it. Do you um, happen to know what this means for the... I know that the people who were going to undertake this were given a deal of something like... Well, here's the thing. Um, the, there's a documentary uh, being made um, very soon. And it's, it's being produced by Microsoft's Xbox Entertainment Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to focus on the changing landscape of the video gaming industry, and it's expected to come out next year. And it's part of a broader push by Microsoft to pr produce original video content for the Xbox 360 and Xbox yeah. One. I mean, I know they were talking a lot about their Halo live-action series and yeah. things like that yeah. to tie in with the TV services. That was actually yeah. really good, their live-action Halo series. Yeah. Um, well, it's uh, the series is produced by Simon Chen, uh, who's the producer of Man on Wire, and Jonathan Chen, the producer of Morgan Spurlock's 30 Days. Mm -hmm. um, it's not been named as yet, but they did go out to the Mexican, New Mexican desert on purpose to try and find yeah. this landfill as part of the documentary. And yeah, I believe there was some sort of deal that they could have 10% of the cartridges or 100, <laughs> whichever the yeah. greater number was. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's mainly ET cartridges, but uh, they've also found some centipede in there. Mm -hmm. And who knows what whatever else. So, yeah, um, and the cartridges, they've got some pictures here. The cartridges don't don't look too bad, actually. Oh, this look. looks fairly oh, decent condition, despite being in the... In the ground in for the 20 ground. years. Yeah. You just need to blow on the bottom and they'll work fine. I've seen cartridges that have been in attics that look worse than that. I know, I mean, they don't look too bad, but I can guarantee, uh, uh, it does mean one thing. Yep. If you've got an ET cartridge that you've been holding on to for oh, all this time... Oh, the value <laughs> will have plummeted. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't close. Uh, but they were both worthless anyway. <laughs> yeah, they were. If you tried to play the game. Yeah, this is true. If you owned a copy of E.T., you should have dug a hole in your garden and put it in there. Yeah. Well, on the subject of documentaries, uh, moving on, uh, Miles Lightwood of uh, Boombox Creators, it's an on online archive um, for, you know, be people who love 
boomboxes, ghetto bosses, you name it, whatever you want to call it, from the 1980s. He's uh, making uh, a documentary film devoted to identifying the individuals behind the most successful boomboxes of all time. Now, here's the problem, right? Back during the 80s when they were making these sometimes mammoth machines, yeah. you know, these were like these were like hi-fi systems on steroids that you could carry well, around. People had them on their shoulders. They were like yeah. quite a you know these were to carry around. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't want to get hit by one of these. Let's put it that way. And I mean, have you guys seen uh, Beverly Hills Cop Three? No, I think so. Is that the one with uh, the amusement park? Yes. Yeah. Remember the machine gun from there? Yeah, oh yeah, the I forgot the name. It had the name like a it. microwave, a CD player, AM, yeah, yeah. FM radio, as well as like a grenade launcher, assault, assault machine gun, and yeah. all sorts of other things. It had basically all the bells and whistles, popcorn maker, coffee maker, you name it. It was kind of the machine gun version of the boomboxes of the time. Yeah. <laughs> all I've got in my head is the Lonely Island, the boombox song. Yeah. Because if you bring a boombox into any social occasion, yeah. it changes up the dynamic completely. It does. Um, now... The problem was that when these things were being made, a lot of the people who designed them and who uh, invented new uh, new versions of them, they basically went, uh, they basically fell for, fell out, uh, fell off the radar because the companies that made them didn't acknowledge the creators of these, the people who developed them, that sort of thing. Yeah. So they're trying to find the people who invented some of the most well known ones. Right. And you know, some of them have passed on. Unfortunately, some of them are still alive and want to talk about, uh, you know, how they th- how they developed these ideas. These were so common in the eighties that Transformers used to hide as them. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Soundwave. Yeah. No, Soundwave was a microcassette. Oh no, he was. Recorder. He was a Walkman. It was uh, Blaster. Was Blaster. Yes, yeah, Blaster. Um, just to give you an idea, there's a few pictures of uh, boomboxes on this article. Um, where are we? Uh, oh yeah, that's a classic one. There, yeah. two massive speaker systems at the side. FM radio right that there. That one there, uh, this one, where is it called? The, uh, damn you, what's going on there? Let's <laughs> come back to the right screen. The Philips radio recorder. Yeah, the Philips radio recorder. It's, uh, it's, they think it might be the very first one, very first boombox type uh, stereo. Ah, oh, man, recording things off the radio. Yeah. Piracy is killing the music in, <laughs> in this I know. Look at that device from 1969. This thing is, this one, this one looks, actually looks uh, uh, this one actually looks pretty cool. That does actually. Yeah. It's quite a cool style to it. You know, With the, the 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 ring, the circles, you know, and like the giant design. speaker. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, there's this one that's like all well, the bells and whistles. That that is that's what I imagine when I think of. See, don't you just think if you lay that flat, it looks like a DJ's turntable deck <laughs> or a hob. <laughs> yeah, or a <laughs> hob. Yeah, you know, and then you got like the more classic styling yeah. ones. Um, but yeah, um, I gotta say this must be thrilling to the listeners. Oh, I do love a good boombox. <laughs> well, the th- the thing is, just go. Oh, look at that one! Well, oh, it's I'll, I'll, I'll post the link to this on Twitter. Right, I'll post the okay. link to this well, article on Twitter so people can have a look at them themselves. There might even be people who don't know what a boombox is, but it's yeah. basically the equivalent and of like having speakers on your phone, but having to have a small car to carry it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, if you think about it, the whole car speaker thing now. Yeah, you know, having those massive speakers in your cars is the modern day equivalent of the boombox. So the boombox hasn't really died; it's just become mobile, even yeah. more so than normal. <laughs> well, actually, you know, things are like before it. It was a pain in the ass to get about, but you at least could take it in places. You can't take your car into a yeah, but now McDonald's people like hang around. Say we've got in, phones. In, yeah, Mackie D's with the uh, speakers on their phones. 
blasting out whatever music they want to listen to, but I don't. I. Right. Anyway, um, that documentary is going to come out uh, come out soon. Uh, I'll post the link to that article on Twitter so people can have a look at uh, some of the uh, boomboxes from the eighties. I remember these things. You they know. are awesome. I saw a Spanish dude doing the Bartman. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Thing is, they don't have the kind of a modern day equivalent except for the cars. There's no kind of personal stereo equivalent of it. I actually, I remember a while ago I saw um, they were really pushing them in HMV, but you had like was basically it was the size of it it had two giant subwoofers in it but you plugged your ipod into it yeah yeah yeah. it was really I've, cool I've but could, no could you actually see somebody walking around the street with one of those i've got this little thing that plugs no. into my exactly. uh, iphone or whatever but it's a little like um little speaker it's a little round yeah. thing there's a lot of bass out of it actually it's yeah. pretty good but you wouldn't but walk around with it though i don't walk around with it i've had it out when we've been to the park and stuff like that like yeah you know, like barbecue sort of thing. See, that that's the kind of thing that uh, a lot of the boomboxes are used for, yeah, for yeah. like uh, impromptu parties, barbecues, just social gatherings. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, Doom Merchants. Uh, Doom! Cod- yes, Doom. <laughs> Dr. Doom's Doom Ray of Doom. <laughs> right. Um, Vladimir Putin has decided that the internet is a CIA project. It's all a capitalist plot. <laughs> I, do you know, he's he's kind of scary in that he's. It, it feels like he's going down the. Uh, he's on the road to Kim Jong Il, but yeah. he's just a lot more serious with it. Rather at than, this point, we yeah. knew that Putin had crossed the line from regular villainy to cartoonish super villainy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, um, okay, so we know you like to hunt with your shirt off, and you, we know you like to wrestle bears. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> he is on the road to Kim Jong Il. Oh Jong-il. God, it's kind of scaring me because I keep up with it on the Twitter. Yeah, I keep up with like what's going on. Um, I've got some friends that live in Ukraine, so I keep up with all the events. But some of them have been quite, quite scary in that like it's sort of the the amount of denial coming from yeah. the Russians that like no no we haven't stationed troops there. These people in unmarked military univer- uh, uniforms they're they're local yeah. residents. They're like, what are you even talking about? They're, they're local. Um, uh, they're just local um, people yeah. who have brought up arms have nothing to do with Russia. But if you attack them, we're gonna take it as an attack on us. Yeah, it's crazy. Like. All those games where I was like, why is Russia always the bad guy? They, they're not doing well, anything it's wrong. Not but the then Russians want to be the bad guy. Sort of, it's oh. not that the Russians want to be the bad guy. I think if we had, like, you know, the main fear is that we're going to be attacked by a giant metal Putin. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the main fear at the moment, is there's going to be a mecha, a mecha Putin at some uh, point. Are you suggesting Russia is working on a Jaeger project? Possibly, where they're gonna build a giant, a giant, a giant, oh. a giant topless Vladimir Putin that what's, wrestles what's giant the name metal of bears. The, um, the Jaeger in, and I'm so go- gonna get uh, the, the Russian Jaeger in Pacific Rim. I've forgotten the name. Uh, I need to look it up because yeah, it's it's got a very very Russian it, name. It's, it's gonna be that just with Putin's head on top, and it's piloted by two basically very, very Russian-looking people. One of them looks like Zangief from Street yes, Fighter. Yes, I know. <laughs> Duh. Right. Anyway, um, let's move on a little bit. <sighs> Me want uh, robot slippers. 
Maybe Putin needs to visit that like uh, little support group in Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you're uh, a bad yeah. guy. Yes, <laughs> doesn't mean you are a bad guy. Yes, um, Aerith lives. <laughs> Do you not? Did you not see that on the tunnel back to uh, back to the station? Oh yeah. If you if you freeze it just as they're about to enter that little tunnel on one of the sides, it actually says Aerith lives. Excellent. <laughs> There's a million little. There's loads of little things, things like that. Um, anyway, moving on. Me want robot slippers. Right now, did you ever want to sound like a robot? What do you mean, want to... No, no, that's moving like a robot. A very wibbly robot. <laughs> yeah, that is too wibbly to be a robot. <laughs> that's know, more no. like... No, no, that's more like Octodad. <laughs> you don't know what a Benbot would be like. Octodad? A little bit. <laughs> Have you guys played Octodad yet? Yes. Dadliest yep. yes. catch. I, yes. I, I don't get what that game's about. It's just like you control a normal guy doing his normal life things. Oh, yeah, I forgot that your limbs basically work yeah. like that. Yeah. So <laughs> ben attempting to pick up a, a thing. I know. It, it, it's about the same as Octodad. Yes. Yep. Um, right. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Robot for, slippers. Yes, for £17.84, excluding shipping, excluding That's shipping, you can get a one-size-fits-all pair of slippers that make a sound effect whenever you take a step. This seems like the most useful thing I've ever heard of. There is no item I can see that will have any like this is all I need in life. Well, every time you take a step, the slippers play a grinding, clanking sound effect that makes you sound like your legs have been upgraded with the latest in cybernetic enhancements. Yep. Yeah, my life's yeah, complete. That's, that's all I need. basically all it is. They just added a sound effect so when your foot hits the ground, it uh, makes what noise, Ben? Kaiju slippers would be better. Imagine, like, you're going like, through no, no, your bedroom I, to uh, get some bacon, but you sound like you're stomping through Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's the slippers I want. Just the screams of people. But there you go. That, that's my uh, that's my uh, idea. Kaiju slippers. Kaiju <laughs> slippers. Yep. <sighs> Sorry, I just got, I just got an image of Ben in the downtown Bay Area. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's Benzilla. Exactly. Ah, oh, quite a Sorry, what? <laughs> Weebzilla. Yep. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Anyway, um, oh, moving on. Again, we have three bits of movie news. First up, Farscape is getting a new movie, which uh, I'm quite looking forward to. Will it have Muppets? Uh, yes, it will. Yeah, I mean, is Jim Henson involved? <laughs> well, Jim Henson's not involved because he's dead. Uh, Jim Henson <laughs> yeah, the Henson Creature Workshop is involved. Uh, Rockney S. Bannon, who created the series, is also at the uh, is also heading up this project. Um, it's going to follow on from the original series, but it's only it's going to be more about. Uh, the kid, Erin uh, and uh, right. son, Dago. Okay, because like, if you were to follow on from the original series, that is quite convoluted by this yeah. point. It's but like, this time they're introducing Dago as a totally new character. Uh, the young Dago has been raised on Earth to protect him because uh, he, you know, people are after him. Yeah. You know, uh, same way they're after Crichton. All same the way they're after Crichton. And so John and Erin decided to leave him in uh, the safety of Earth to be raised as a human. 
and then they come back for him after about 18, 19 years. Okay. So, yeah. It's going to be very much a fish-out-of-water thing, but... Uh, how fitting. Yes, how fitting. Uh, moving on, Flash. Flash. Uh, yeah, Flash Gordon is getting a new movie. Saviour of the universe. Yes. Um, John da- Producer John Davis, uh, he acquired the rights from the Hearst Corporation, which owns uh, King Features Syndicate, the publisher of classic Flash Gordon material. And so this movie looks to be based on the original black-and-white TV serial rather than the 1970s movie. So what you're telling me is Gordon's alive. Gordon's alive? Yes. Yes. That was the best Brian Blessed I could manage. I hope it was good enough for the radio. <laughs> yes, anyway, um, it's going to be called Flash Gordon 3D. And oh. director... <laughs> is, it's going, yeah. And I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Suddenly everything's gone. Actually, no, sorry. Uh, slightly wrong there. Uh, as recently as 2010, director Breck Eisner uh, from The Crazies was looking to develop the property for a reboot with the planned Flash Gordon 3D, sorry. Um, the rights then lay with Sony. Eisner has had planned a movie very much looking back to the original Alex Raymond strips. Um, but yeah, it's uh, nothing but a media- mediocre live-action TV series. Hit the airwaves in 2007. Flash Gordon. Interesting property to make a movie from. And finally... They're going to make a Dad's Army movie? With... Isn't basically everyone from that dead? Uh, Rob, your input on this, please. <laughs> no? <laughs> Who <laughs> Rob's do you refusing think you to are come. kidding? <laughs> yes. Mr. Hitler. Um, apparently, uh, Toby Jones has been lined up in the role of Captain Mannering. Um, Bill Nye may also... Uh, have a role in Bill this. Bill Nye will be in anything. Yes. I'm pretty sure if... if oh, I'm yeah. Bill Nye's apparently going to play Sergeant Wilson. Okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, have seen a screenshot of... You know when you press the I button when a, a show's on TV? Yes. And you get a little thing. It was of uh, the film Underworld. And it says, uh, film that answers two burning questions. What happens if a man is bitten by a werewolf and a vampire? And the second question... What would Bill Nye do for money? <laughs> Bill and Nye, the answer yeah. is star in Underworld. <laughs> <laughs> so anything, really. Uh, pretty much anything, yeah. Hey, this is Veronica Taylor. And I'm Ash Ketchum. Geek Show. I choose you! We're talking fish out of water. Uh, I'm going to draw a fish. You're going to draw a fish? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, keep going. Yes. We're talking fish out of water. Yes. Uh, why is fish out of water such an enduring story type in movies? Looking at you pointedly, Rob. <laughs> when you take a drink. <laughs> Let somebody else have a crack at that. Well, it's a very easy way of introducing the audience to a new concept. If you are uh, throwing someone into a sci-fi or fantasy world that they have no point of reference for, like it's it's good to take an un- uninitiated character into that world to then have to have the things explained to them. Yeah, by having... By doing this, it means they don't have... Uh, the audience will know exactly as much as the protagonist does because everything's getting explained to them. It means they don't have that awkward phase where it's like, what the hell's a Flaff and Nugan? Like, what, what is a Flaff and Nugan? Exactly. But if you have the protagonist learn about the Flaff and Nugan... Then you know what one of them is. 
And it's a good, it's an easy way in films that like have a point to make about society. If they're brought into, they're the, they're the ones that can ask the questions about, for example, a corrupt society, uh, a, a society with rules that don't quite make sense. Yeah, the fish out of water character can ask those questions because they haven't lived in it their entire lives. Okay. Yeah, you can't exactly have a spaceship captain going. How does the spaceship move? Oh well, you don't always have to exposition all of that. I, I know, so it's just like. It's, you can't have characters who have meant to lived in the world forever. Or you can if it's CSI, because they explain <laughs> the scientific oh, yeah. procedures they're doing to other scientists while they're doing it. It's like... Yeah. Like, what because are you doing other scientists thing? haven't done it before either. It's like, what are you doing there? I'm just doing fingerprints. You know, the thing you did, like, two scenes ago. Yes, or like three episodes ago. Yeah. When, when I spread this specialised dust, it will show up fingerprints. Yes, I know that. I'm also a CSI. <laughs> yeah. I did pass my... Um, I did get a diploma in this. I've been working here for four years. I know how you test for blood splatter. Best ones I've seen in CSI is where, like, uh, one, of the, uh, one of them has done exactly the same thing, like seven or eight episodes before but then is standing there having the procedure explained to him when yeah. he was the one who originally showed it to the guy who's now doing the explaining. No one expects everyone to watch every episode of CSI. <laughs> if you've watched... I haven't. If you've watched a whole series of it, you have... watched. Uh, no, if you've watched one episode of CSI, you've watched it all. Oh, um, I don't know. That you, you need to watch at least one episode of Miami. Just that's what I was talking about. <laughs> just to experience the... Uh, <laughs> The sunglasses on, yep. the sunglasses off. And I'm continuing to draw my fish. David Caruso. <laughs> David Caruso is the worst actor in the history of everything. That's my point. He's only he, does that, he does that in every film. You it's, can it's, say it's, that it's in a world where Nicolas Cage exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicolas Cage is the He's greatest actor. Because Nicolas, Nicolas Cage, Cage is, is quantum. He's <laughs> either the worst is or perpetual the best. ecstasy. <laughs> Is what? Like the, the drug, I mean. Oh, ah. right. It's like somebody who's constantly on that drug acting and trying to stay alive. Have you seen Vampire's Kiss? Yes. <laughs> it's famous. It's amazing. <laughs> it's very, very famous. I, and that, it's like they just filmed Nicolas Cage for a week. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the things he do have no... He does have no context, context in the movie. I can't say that word without taking three attempts. Have you seen the picture of Nicolas Cage dressed as Superman? Yes. The test shot. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Believe it or not, this isn't what we're talking about here. <laughs> no, that was, that was joined us in the Nicolas Cage hour. <laughs> yes. No, it's not a show. No, no. Uh, fish out of water. So, okay, Rob, your input, please. Why is it such an enduring story type? Well, it's escapism, isn't it? It's pure escapism. Okay. It's pretty well, much for the reasons that Ben and Dave well, said. This, you can stretch the boundaries of what you're doing if you're introducing a character who this is all new to. Well, you and that'll always last in all of cinema. Yeah, you mentioned Farscape, for yeah. example, when we were talking about the movie things. And by the end, it's complicated and convoluted. But in the, well, in it, the beginning... In the beginning, yeah. uh, John Crichton has no idea about his surroundings. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't he's, know the language. All he knows is he's flown into the middle of a battle from, uh, you know, in the middle of who knows where. Yeah. And once he meets other characters, he gets things explained to him, which yeah. explain it to the audience as well. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's why... For especially as I say, for sci-fi and fantasy, yeah. Fish Out of Water works very well because you can explain it 
Do you think that's one of the reasons why people find Star Trek difficult to get into? Then I will, I will say this though: fantasy isn't as big a thing, really. Yeah, um, it's more sci-fi than anything. Yeah, yeah. Why so, is uh, horror? Actually, yeah. horror is another one. Yeah. It's a bit conceptual horror, like it, about ideas or yeah or whatnot. It's carried in that a lot as well. The yeah, okay. water idea. So why is it that sci-fi and horror as well? Uh, you know, are, like more suited to the whole fish out of water story type? Because they be nuts. Yeah, it is because. In sci-fi and horror, crazy things can happen, and you have to explain to the audience why they're happening. Well, more in sci-fi than in horror. Well, sci-fi and horror, uh, you know, joined at the hip. You can't have one without the other, frankly. To be honest, I do think, uh, in a way, Star Trek does work as uh, fish out of water, because even though the the crew live in the future, live in a situation we yeah. don't. Um, their situation is something we can identify with it. It draws on, like, the, the bridge <coughs> of their spaceship is like yeah. the bridge of a ship, isn't it? Yeah. The, they, they're using parallels to how things work in the modern world, like chains of command yeah. and things like that that we understand. And it's when they encounter other races that then they have to have things explained to them about the, the culture yeah. of other races. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that... Actually, they are still the fishes out of water. We're on there. No, the ca- uh, in, on there they are. I'm talking about, you know, when people tr- uh, try watching Star Trek for the first time. You know, sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating because, you know, there's all this history to Star Trek. And in an episode, they might refer to something that happened, like, last season or in the original series or in, like, whatever, spin-off. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Well, tell you what some- about sci-fi that doesn't do that for the viewer? Time travel stories. Back to the Future. <laughs> sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Well, Back to the Future technically uh, is sci-fi, but I mean... It, it's sci-fi as much as, you know, Shandy is alcohol. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm stretching it by calling it sci-fi. But you understand well, what I mean. how else would you describe it? It's works of science. It's a piece of fiction. Science it, fiction. Thank you, Ben. It's the slightest, slightest little Look, we know, we know If you it, blew in the wind, it'd disappear. Well, it's not so much science fiction. It's more science fantasy. Rather than mm, fiction, yeah, yeah. you know, um, but we call it science fiction just because it's a title that it's easy to understand. Yeah, potato, potato. Anyway, what I'm saying is, time travel stories in general, you know, when you, when somebody goes to a completely different time period, they they would be the fish out of water, wouldn't they? Yeah, the general stuff. Yeah, yeah. But time travel uh, cinema has been getting a lot more adventurous. Yes, like I don't know whether you describe it as. Uh, time travel. It's more of a doppelganger situation, but Looper. Looper. I, it, I thought that's what you were going to say. It doesn't hold anybody's hand. It has no fish-out-of-water yeah. mechanics there. It just, here, here you go. Time travel's a thing. Deal with it. What about the time traveller's wife? We're, not, we're talking movies, not, you know, stuff you flush down the toilet. Okay. I was just talking <laughs> about conceptually. Uh, no. No? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm not talking about any film that that will have been in. It, 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 it's it's Vogue magazine cinema. Okay, it's heat, you know. Okay, it's it's not real. I am not arguing with you. It, it's <laughs> terrible. I, I just I've just for this, but um, in Star Trek, yeah, there are a lot of side stories that are fish out of water because they get like new members of the um, ship from different races and stuff. Well, they all have to learn well, to... They, they, don't, yeah. they don't really introduce new members during the run of the season. It's yeah. all kind of established from episode one. You I might have a few here so or you there. You still have to... You see them dealing with... 
Uh, no, but the thing is, the thing is that's, that's kind of a standard for quite a lot of sci-fi. Stargate did the same thing. Yeah. You know, um, Farscape did effectively the Believe same thing. Believe it or thing. not, movie section. Movie, yeah, movie, movies, movies, movies. I know, movies. we're talking about science fiction. Yes. And horror. Movies. Oh, look, let's focus a little bit on horror, because uh, we did mention horror was suited yeah. to this as well. Um, I, in, explain it a bit more, though. Because I can kind of understand it, but... Well, what do you mean, explain it? It's like know. saying explain it for science fiction. I mean, They're both th- the same thing, is, thing I'm except think- one I'm is about- more science and one's more natural. And, I know, but I'm, su- thinking, about, I'm thinking about some of the modern well, horrors that they're coming out with now. Well, for example, they, they need to explain the legend of the... Well, in certain circumstances, yeah. yeah. Well, they, not not all of them, but they, like the yeah. situation that like this town has oh, this, yeah. this legend, this... Uh, normally, it's a new person coming into this place, or that usually, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the the locals will warn them of a thing, and yeah, yeah, there's the usual crazy guy at the, you know, <laughs> yes. which cabin in the woods did very well. In it the, did, it did, but so it's never the guy who's lived in the house for twenty years, and like he's been, everyone knows him in town, well, and then suddenly that. the monster comes. See, Monster House did something. We did along we, those we, lines. We did review Deranged. Yes, we show, did, and that we did. is basically you described it there. Yeah, only country. Oh, really? Yeah, but I mean, Monster House did kind of the sa- uh, a similar thing. The house had been there all the Are time. Are you but saying that's horror? I'm not saying that's horror. I'm Are saying you six years old. <laughs> I'm saying it's using the elements of the elements of horror in a kids' movie, obviously, hmm. but it you, it basically did exactly what Ben said. The house had always been there. You know, the guys, uh, the pe- couple that lived there, had lived there forever. That sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't introducing new characters saying. Uh, you know, some crazy guy saying, oh, don't go near the house or anything like that. That's a terrible example, Rob. I'm just saying. I'm sleep dri- de- yeah. deprived and I can cut my better ground. And at okay. that point, Rob was taken out back to be shot. Who <laughs> <laughs> were all the yellow? Yeah. <laughs> Are you calling me yellow? Yeah. <sighs> Pick of the geek, then. <laughs> Pick of the geek. All right, your top three fish out of water movies. Anybody else want to jump in first? I've got to go back to the future. I love that film. Okay. Like, he, he also sort of Ben slightly looked over his shoulder, like yeah. ah, Rob. Like <laughs> I love that film. I don't care what you say. without flipping his Every time I say an answer, I look around to Rob to see the disappointment on his face. <laughs> uh, <I'm> disappointed. Except, <laughs> um, it's like it's fun film, and it's a bit interesting that he goes back. He he knows the past. Because he's read about it, but now he's in it. It's what more interesting than you're in a place where you know nothing about. Um, uh, Aliens. No. I just want to on, say No, 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 no. I'm going to have to agree slightly with Dave on Aliens, because the, uh, the colonial marines really are fish out of water. I meant Ripley in Aliens. No, Ripley, nah. Ripley as well, to a degree, well, but she the is, colonial I mean, marines. How can she become a person who barely... Barely managed to escape one, and then all of a sudden she's got double like machine guns for them throws. Where is the evolution from character A to character B? That is not the same person. I call shenanigans on that whole franchise. She's a cyborg. Yeah. If you take the first movie on its own, then it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a fish out of water there. Totally. I mean, she's the person you least expect to survive. I think the first two movies individually are great movies. Individually, Individually, but as a lead on from the other, they just don't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, we can leave number three. That can just sit in the corner. That's the best movie never made. The cutting room floor for Alien Three was is amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, about the wood planet. Uh, 
Yeah. That was fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, staying on the time travel bit, I'm going to have to go with that French movie, Le Visiteur. I liked it. I never said anything. Medieval Knight and Squire in, uh, in 20th century. I thought it was great. Next he's going to say Mr. Bean. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's on the same level. <laughs> Mr. Bean. <laughs> no. In what way? The French love that sort of stupid sense of humour. It was a stupid film, but I liked it. So yeah. was, so sue me. Yeah. At least I didn't say George of the Jungle. You, know, you, <laughs> you just did, actually, so yeah. It's on record. We all heard it. Dave? Any? Um, Black Knight, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's that? Um, Martin Lawrence. He goes back in time to the Middle Ages, and he's a contemporary guy. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it's horrible, you don't need to see it ever. Yeah, you're saying words at me, I know they're English, but... Um, Martin Lawrence? Yes. Mm. Don't ask one of the, what one of those is. <laughs> Anybody else? Um, just trying to think. Uh, you know what? Star Wars. Yeah, like, for a good portion. Luke Skywalker yeah, is a fish out of water. In the first one, Luke's new to everything. He's finally Someday out. I'll get off this rock. Exactly. Uh, Shawshank? Yeah. No. Shawshank Redemption. Andy Dufresne is a fish out of water. Well, no, then you could say every single prison thing and it's not. Well, no, you can't say every single prison thing. Yeah, because you can't say Shawshank. No, you can yeah. say Shawshank. Andy he, Dufresne he is was, a fish out of water. He was like... He was wrongfully accused yeah. of mur- murdering his wife and her lover, put into prison, and for the first portion of the movie, uh, for a good portion of the movie, he's totally the fish out of water. Nah, I disagree. You can disagree all you want. I truth am. is truth. Yeah. Disagree. He, he's put in a... The whole idea of fish out I of water because is you get a guy, you take him out of the like place where he's comfortable and yeah. stick him in a new place. He was a middle-class American Accountant, and goes yeah. to prison. Most of the people in there were. Another one. Mm. My cousin Vinny. <laughs> Drop hey. the mic. There you go. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, hang on. Oh, no, no, no. You just... Remi- you, yes. <laughs> you, when, you, when you said that, it's just opened up a whole new world of possibilities. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen... My Cousin Vinny it's like if Legally Blonde was a good film and starred <laughs> Joe Pesci yeah <laughs> um, you know uh, planes, trains and automobiles I don't understand no that yeah that's what. not a fish out of water Steve movie. Martin he's wanting to get home how is that a fish out of water movie he's got some annoying <laughs> totally, fish out, totally no. fish out of water oh, movie not. yes it is that's a fish out of water trying to get back to the water exactly he's just a guy it, trying to get home so if he's not home, where is he? Yeah, you're playing fast and loose. <laughs> <laughs> this is just him trying to get home. There's no fish out of water mechanics there. <laughs> Can I pick some? Yes. Idiocracy. Ooh. Uh, it's a time travel movie, per se, kind of, about a guy who is uh, transform- uh, transported to the future where everybody is the most fantastic idiot. Possible. It's really subversive, really clever. It's by Mike Judge who did Trins, Purses, and... I love this, you know. When Mike all you're Judge. talking, you don't pay any attention. As soon as I'm saying stuff, oh, what's this? I've got a text message. I'm listening. Oh, you terrible people. Mike Judge uh, films for Beavis and Butthead. He is, yeah. Not a very good movie, though. It's no, quite but an awful the movie. series is pretty good. At his moments, yeah. Uh, Idiocracy, oh... I've been... Uh, American Werewolf in London. 
is a pretty Ooh, good one. Interesting. Because that's constant, you know, fish out of water stuff yeah. there. Cool. Transformation as well, which also helps. Uh, anybody else got any leftovers? Or? Um, I could probably think of a few, but uh, you got any more left? I was stalling, so <laughs> please, <laughs> please pick one. Um... Uh, said Shawshank, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, what was it? Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Uh, I'll, I'll remember that. Oh, wait, didn't we say earlier that bit in Finding Nemo when he's on the pier? For <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> the absolute <laughs> literal interpretation <laughs> of this. <laughs> very, very brief. Very Hang on. Brief. Then you're going to go with Splash, aren't you? She was a mermaid. She's it's not half, a fish. Half fish out of water, then. I'm Crazy Fox Machine, slash Owen Watts. I'm an artist in uh, Professor Elemental, and you're listening to The Geek Show. We're uh, talking about fish out of water today. Yes. Games. Games! Games. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, Why don't some games fit into particular genres? Why do we have to feel the need to cram them into, like, you know, this genre or that genre? I think the genres they use um, are a little bit outdated now. I think think so? Well, like, so many games have elements from different types of games. Like, for example, uh, what even genre would you call things like the Uncharted games or the the latest Tomb Raider game? Uh, Is it a platformer? Is it a shooter? I'd say action exploration. Action is such a stupid genre, then, isn't it, really? That um, annoys me. That's sort of like, we can't think how to categorise this, so we're just going to go action-adventure. That's yeah, but an adventure is kind of, you know, when people say adventure, I'm thinking like point and click, broken sword, monkey island, that sort of thing. Yeah, if, if something was labelled as adventure, or even, or yeah. even so, like, um, yeah, those games, their genre isn't, it's point and click. It's not point and click adventure. Yeah, people do sometimes say the adventure, but isn't like the the format no, the point, that it the point and click is, is point the mechanic. And click. Yeah. No, the point and click is just the mechanic. It's like saying that uh, Gears of War was a shooting game. It is. But that's just the so mechanic. So you can you call it a um, third-person shooter, that's a mechanic. Yeah. You don't call it a third-person shooter. I see, what you get, I see what you're getting at. Because, yeah, games categorise things quite mechanically in mm. that yeah. what, what you physically do as a command input is, the, is what you call it. Whereas they don't sort of go by genre of... Uh, they don't call it sci-fi or fantasy or anything like that. That's irrelevant where it's set. You know, you can have a third-person shooter set in any yeah. time period or future or past. Stone Age. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah. throw rocks. Yes. Not really shooting, though. No. Yeah, so no, so that would be FTP, first-person throwing or third-person <laughs> throwing. <laughs> yeah. But holding so, your theory there, Dave. <laughs> no, it's not. Turok. Chuck Rock. Dude, Chuck Rock would dude, fit into that. Turok. Oh yeah, you can't yeah. dinosaur yeah. hunter. Yeah. Wasn't that in the future though? Just dinosaur. No, that was in the future. Turok was a fu- was a futuristic game. What about Monster Hunter? You can get guns on that. What's the one on them then? <laughs> you hunt monsters. Oh, yeah. very clever title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the clue is in the title. <laughs> very clever. But what about RPGs then? Because if you're going by the mechanic, you know you've got turn-based uh, battles. You've got like active time battles. You've got like battles where you just run run around third person and hit stuff various things like that um how would that fit well um 
<laughs> thing is, can, you say that, can you say that again? I was half asleep. Basically, <laughs> if, we, if games uh, take their names from the mechanic, you know, in RPGs, why do we call them all, like, RPGs we do, and we don't say it? It's a turn-based Marketing. RPG. We do yeah, say it's a turn-based RPG. Yeah. That's the thing people say about it. You see, this no, is not what very happened with uh, Pro Evolution Soccer. It was International Superstar Pro Evolution Soccer 1998 Deluxe Edition. Yeah. And that's what we're getting like with genres. It's just a game play. We don't want to go like down the music industry thing of like, uh, God, how many different types of metal are there? Oh, oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you want some uh, death guy, metal or the, some black metal? Can I have some tinfoil instead? <laughs> I just want some tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like some forbidden prog. <laughs> Isn't that off prog? So you say um, JRPG, uh, not JRPG, just RPG. Yeah. Well, there's RPG elements in basically every game now. Well, that's what I was saying before. FIFA has RPG elements. Yeah. I think we kind of came from this, came at this question from the wrong perspective. It's not what and why. It's okay. What things don't fit into these groups? Okay. So what things don't fit into these groups? Lords. <laughs> oh. Give hey, us some well, examples. Hey. Gone home. Yes. As a way, uh, a catch-all catch for things that don't fit has tended to be the word indie. Yeah. yeah. That's lazy, though. I know. It really is, because indie is its a studio thing yeah. rather than a production But it's a thing. lot of games that don't fit into the predefined genres yeah. are coming from indie studios, so generally people it's are It's a lot of the more adventurous stuff as well. I mean, what, yeah. what would you call unfinished swans, seriously? Paint them up? <laughs> 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 I, had I think I've just made, I think I've made my name in the. In the <laughs> I think Gone oh, Home was yeah, described as a um, game about opening up. drawers. Yeah, walk 'em up. Yep. No, or, or a draw 'em up. You know, opening drawers. That's Pictionary, though. Yeah. Pictionary is a draw 'em up. Ah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Like, um, I know that uh, what was it? That Loco Roco game on the PSP where you. Oh yeah. You know, is that a tilt 'em up? Because you just you just tilt. That's it. That's what, all you do for the game. What, what is Nobby Nobby Boy? <laughs> <laughs> it's from the creator of Katamari Damacy. Yeah, well, what, yeah, the well, hell what, is, what the hell is Katamari? That doesn't really fit into it. It's from a third-person perspective. I'd call it a, pla- not a platform, a puzzle game. It's, I, I'm sorry, but you can't but call it... puzzle is quite loose, really. Yeah. It's become yeah. much looser in recent years. Because Catherine, what's Catherine? It's, it's you can that, put there and up. <laughs> well, yeah, Catherine is more like a puzzle game in that, like... It's Cuba, really, isn't it? It's, it's like a reverse yeah. Cuba. <laughs> it's a dating sim it, it, mixed it, it, with a puzzle game. It, yeah, it is Cuba, though. <laughs> no, I prefer to call it reverse Cuba, because it, it just sounds yeah. better. <laughs> Cuba went down, Catherine goes up. Somewhere yeah, in the middle of me. Oh, God, someone's <laughs> going to make it. Someone's going to do something with that now. Catherine meets Cuba. <laughs> God, I, I was just imagining Cuba rendered in the style of the bosses in Catherine. Oh, <laughs> oh I never played it. So that well, wouldn't that be amazing though if it was like a little Easter egg in the game? Well, the bosses are like reflections of things that he's scared of in his uh, is like quite Silent Hillish then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so One page at least. Yeah. Oh God, like they are uh, they are pretty scary. There's Some a, of them are really there's freaky. There's a part where uh, in the story, his uh, his girlfriend believes she might be pregnant. Yeah. The boss for that section is a rather terrifying uh, unborn baby. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. What was the reasons behind the butt with the giant tongue? Lust. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a weird lust. (laughs) It's called the lustful beast. It's basically made of sexual body parts. I think we kind of avoid (laughs) that. It hasn't got an eye on it. 
Bag. Let's just walk away from Yeah, that it's one. time to go down the D.H. Lawrence route here. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So, what else doesn't fit, then? Dead silence. <laughs> no, no, that fits. That's a survival horror. Yeah. <laughs> Zing. Yeah. Oh, funny man. Right into Funny, track. funny man. Well, survival horror is quite a loose genre as well. It doesn't yeah. exist anymore if you believe the studios. It doesn't make money, so uh, that, well, go well, it has made money for indie studios. Oh no, that's oh, the yeah. thing. That's the, the studio has well, dropped Resident Evil into a sort of whatever that he, game. Here's the weird thing: they sort of they decided that um, survival horror was dead with no real preference it was well it, yeah it's I mean, kind of like how Hollywood stopped calling things horror they got scared of horror everything's now a thriller yeah and games industry is kind of like that it just Except lost the interest thing is, they, were, they were very by, you know by the, by the middle of the PS2 era there were very few actually actual scary games yeah. well, out there in a, anyway. way, in a way a big budget so if once you've got that shine <coughs> and veneer and yeah. that polish of having a big budget it kind of does remove some of the like the the grittiness, the grittiness, yeah. The, yeah. the the dark well, well, edge to that. things. I mean, Alien Isolation's got quite a decent budget behind it, and that mm, yeah. looks very, yeah. very yeah. scary. Yeah, from what I've seen of it, at least. You know, um, but is that an indie release? I think that's. But I, it, I mean, more that like the big studios who want to appeal to everyone. Yeah, Sega's uh, kind of dropped that horse. Yeah, you yeah. kind of uh, once you try to appeal to everyone and make a game that's going to be massive, you lose the. The survival the, yeah. horror kind well, of. The interesting thing is that there were there were a few that came that came out um, a few years ago. There was a, there was only a couple. I mean, Amnesia Machine for Pigs. I played and it was. I found it quite boring. Uh, yeah, I not play- a patch on the original. Now I've played with people who have found it quite a cool experience, and a lot of that sort of projecting it themselves. They've heard it's scary, so they can yeah they uh, they imagine more than's actually happening. Yeah. You know that, like, yeah. it's things start playing tricks on yeah, you. That, that, you, you th- assume th- things could be down that corridor, but you don't know. I think that's something that old generations had over newer ones was there was a lot left to your imagination. Yeah, they I had mean, like a blurry figure of a thing. Now you've got a full rendered thing. Weirdly, one of the uh, one of the better horror games that's come out um, in the last uh, several years has been on the Wii. It's called The Calling. Was oh, that the one where it has all the phone calls? Yeah. Yeah. That one was really good, um, but still favorite for my uh, for me in in that genre would be uh, Project Zero Two. Oh yeah, Crimson Butterfly, Pick of the Geek, and Project Zero Three, that, which follows. That was a different type yeah. of first person shooter. Camera obscura. <laughs> yep. pick anyway, uh, Pick, pick of the Geek, your top three games that don't fit into a particular genre. Hmm. Or fish out of water games. Because that is always another option. Well, you can't really do that in a game, can you? Oh yeah. Well, you can. can. Just, Protagonist is a kid who's going off to see yeah, the world. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> it, with movies, it's everything. With games, it's like much, much less common. That's why we decided to do this task yeah. rather than true. Brutal Legends fish out of water, and it's amazing. Well, he's a fish out of water for about twenty seconds. And yeah. this, this is awesome. awesome. Yeah, he was a fish <laughs> out of water. It was like. I love it here. I'm going to take it over. This is better than water. I'm now a fish in beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pretty sure that'd kill a beer, a fish in. Yeah. <laughs> It'd kill the beer as well. <laughs> yes, because okay. the fish have to go somewhere. A uh, fish in tequila. That's... <laughs> that'd be a good story. Yes. Okay, uh, so a brutal legend for you. Anyone else? I'm trying to think. Quick, I know. Stole them. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to have to say Katamari for me. Na 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 Katamari Damasi. There we go. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really fit into anything. Um, yeah. So roll them up. Roll them up. <laughs> yep. It barely has oh, a point. Like I know. <laughs> Old street boxing. Bottom up. Bottom up. <laughs> Queensbury rules. <laughs> um, any others? Rob? Not really. No? No. I'm trying to think. Actually, recently I've been playing um, a game I'm having loads of fun with. Prism Architect. You what? plan a prison. <laughs> you plan a prison. Oh, and you're like, oh, what's that game called? Papers, please. Oh, oh God, yes. oh, that is amazing. It's a puzzly thingy type thing. What about? But I don't think. Uh, uh, but the wind conditions and the moral choices is something you don't really get moral choices in a puzzle game usually. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a thing. With yeah, things in it. <laughs> That's a what about what about something like FDL? Oh yeah, that's... What's a one It's kind of like a sim. Faster than light? It's called Faster Than Light. Basically, you have a spaceship, and you have to manage this spaceship a little bit like you would in a sim game. You like theme hospital, like rollercoaster tycoon kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But various things happen, like laser battles, or like you'll fly to new areas, or engines will <laughs> set on fire, and you have to do things like open airlocks, close airlocks, put... That sounds uh, terrible. Uh, assign crew members to do things... It's actually pretty good. It is, because when you get into fights, they can, like... they You can aim for different parts of their ship, and they can out aim for different I, parts I, of yours. I know and, you're trying to make it sound really cool, but nah. <laughs> it's it's not it, it, it plays a lot better than it sounds. Yeah, cause it sounds terrible. Because I, so I, I was dubious of it at first as well, and then I sat down and played it. I thought, actually, this is pretty good. But when somebody explained it to me, they did it exactly the way you yeah. two did, and I was sitting there thinking... I've played, like, you know, Starship Creator and all sorts yeah, of yeah. things like that, and they were kind of boring. So nobody else has any picks? Um, I thought you would have gone with, like, the Unfinished Swan, that paint em up that you well, mentioned. Well, I've already mentioned it. I'm not repeating myself. Um, something that doesn't fit. Problem is, there's very few mainstream games that, uh, you know, it's mainly what we would call indie games that you choose from. Everything that I'm thinking of, it, like, you could easily say, oh, it's a puzzle game. Ooh. So. Vib Ribbon. Oh, Vib Ribbon was yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Well, it's, essentially, it was a platformer. Yeah. It was a music game. Yeah. Before yeah, music it, games had... Yeah, it, it was the first rhythm game. Um, well, because uh, you could put Parappa the Rapper in there as well. Oh, Parappa the Rapper, that's... Yeah. Learns how to rap with an onion who does <laughs> martial arts. Yeah. Kicks, a punch, it's all in the mind. If you want to test me, I'll show you a find. <laughs> Everybody knows the first level, but get past that. Uh, not so good. I was amazed at Kitacon. There was a girl dressed as Parappa the Rapper. I started off that and about three, four lines afterwards, and then like I just left her to it, and she did the entire thing. What, just that level or the whole game? No, well, that level. <laughs> I was going to say. Because that's commitment to do the whole game. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I put a line on that one as well. Yeah, I think Parappa the Rap is a good place to take a break there. Have you played its uh, its spiritual sequel on, on the on PS2? Jamalami. Yes. No. Forget oh, on no. Jamalami, Guitaru Man. That's oh not God, really yes. A sequel is it? It was by the same developers. Well, Um Jamalami was the same as well, wasn't it? Um Jamalami yeah. was the character from that. Yeah. Well, continuity, you know. Yeah. Having their own thing. But uh, afterwards, the, as I say, they did Guitaru Man, and it's essentially predates Rock Band and everything. Yeah. Uh, you control the, the guitar. The, the the soundtrack's amazing and weird, but 
Um, underrated game. Oh, yeah, really underrated. It controls very different to how like Rock Band set the, yeah. the template of well, how I mean, control. Rock Band is, and Guitar Hero ruined music games. Well, the thing is, Rock Band and Guitar Hero, the whole control system, they stole it from a Japanese uh, Japanese company who made yeah. an arcade cabinet that had exactly that type of guitar well, on it. I do love in Guitar Man where you like. Uh, you follow the. Uh, it's like a three-dimensional thing, isn't it? You yeah. got to find that where like a level stops. You got to find where it continues on the on the page. It's really quite clever. Good day. I'm Graham Stark. And I'm Kathleen Devere. We're from Internet Comedy Powerhouse Loading Ready Run. And if you are listening to the radio, expecting to hear about butts, you are listening to the wrong show. This is the Geek Show, which is much cooler but has far fewer behinds. You're looking for the Butt Show. It's on the other side. When we've got some reviews, starting with Rob. Yes, movie review. Haven't done one of these in a while on a show. Uh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> well, I haven't. <laughs> Have you not? Not on the show, no. Okay. Uh, it's the latest release, Discounting Monday, of uh, Eureka's new classic label. And uh, the first one is The Waterlord, which is made by the director of the original Planet of the Apes. And uh, Patton. It's Planet of the Apes when it made sense, not... Yeah, mm. every sequel, which just makes no sense at all. Uh, and this one, it stars uh, Charlton Heston. No, hang on, is it Charlton Heston? Charlton Heston, yeah. half asleep. Yeah, <laughs> Charlton Heston, who plays a Norman uh, leader of a brigade who is given this territory in the very north of the country to maintain, and it's a swamp basically, and it's run by pagans. And there's uh, not far over the river, there's a group of barbarians who constantly pillage the area. And he has given this place to char- like take in charge. And it's not the film you expect it to be. It's not an action film. It's more of a, a choice and consequence film in the fact that he, appro- uh, Charlton Heston, complete. This is a Norman era, so yeah. the haircuts are are incredibly embarrassing. It's ball cuts all around. Yeah, frankly. Uh, <laughs> so there's that fun aspect to it. But instead of it being an action film, it's about the choices he makes. He doesn't really. At the time, people didn't understand Pagan. They thought it was all witchcraft. Mm. So there's that conflict between, you know, the the war, the bloodlust of the Normans and the very earthy religious stuff of the um, Pagans. And there's a conflict there. The conflict arises and there's many plot threads of the uh, the military from over the... whatever you want to describe them as. The barbarians from over the way. Mm. And it has a lot of choices set up for... Uh, Charlton Heston and the crux of the matter is he just cannot cope with it all and it's about how his character turns from this very powerful military leader who has the trust of the uh, French nation to somebody who completely ballses it up by making the wrong choice in literally everything Yeah, very good but the problem for me is one of these Genesis films where you see like uh, I don't know how you describe this as not a fantasy. It's sort of a it's, it's historical, historical, fantasy. historical epic. We'll call it historical see, fantasy. Well, it's not. It's not. There's no fantasy elements to it. Really. Is it not? Okay. No. So it's a historical epic, and it's one of these things that you can see like in the, in the genre moving forward, like every twenty years and doing mm-hmm. something completely yeah. new. And looking back at this, it looks very antiquated and very out of date so okay, it's a bit dated yeah. to look back at now well, well it, there's good stuff going on there but when you see what's came since that it just mm-hmm. feels a little bit crusty mm. but for people who grew up with this stuff for people who you know like their classic historical stuff it's a great film and it's a great package not really much extras but 
it's a great, you know, uh, remastering, and they've done a good job, Eureka. And the next one they're going to release on this label is out on Monday. Fantastic. Uh, Violence Saturday. Yeah. You know, supposed to be one of the best colour film noirs, so Ooh. really looking forward to that one. Fantastic. Right, um, me, I am reviewing Yu-Gi-Oh! Millennium Jewels. I was going to do Dark Souls 2, we'll see how much time we have. Um, but uh, if not, I will put a review of Dark Souls 2 on the PC, on the website, um, because there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, right, Yu-Gi-Oh! Millennium Duels, it's, uh, the, it's a new video game that's come out uh, for the PC, uh, sorry, PS3. It's, all, it's also out on the Xbox 360, I think, as well. Um, it's Basically, it features a lot of protagonists from, uh, from four of the Yu-Gi-Oh! series. There's the original Yu-Gi-Oh!, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, and Yu-Gi-Oh! XL. Right. Now, you know, after the first Yu-Gi-Oh!, the rest of it is all kind of all Greek to me. Um, <clears throat> right. And it features 20 characters from each series that you can duel against. Um, there's also a multiplayer mode, which features tag duels. And it's compatible with DLC from Yu-Gi-Oh! 5D's Decade Duels Plus, which is a mouthful and a half. Now, if you've ever played one of these Yu-Gi-Oh! games before, now I have, I've played like Capsule Monster Coliseum and i played Duelist of the Rose and, you know, uh, that Land of Illusion type game that was on the GameCube and things like that. Yeah. But I haven't played any of the, any of the more up-to-date ones, uh, the ones that were on the PSP and the ones that came out on the PS3. Haven't played any of those. This is the first Yu-Gi-Oh! game I've actually sat down and played properly for several years. And it was, it was quite nostalgic sitting down to play it, you know, going through the cards, building a deck, everything like that, and edit it, or editing the deck that yeah. you already start with. But when you go on to the first kind of chapter, which is the very beginning of Yu-Gi-Oh!, because there's no real story to this. You just go through from one duel to the next to the next to the next, so you just keep dueling and dueling and dueling. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make up your own story in, in between that or not, uh, reminisce of the story that was, you can do that you, if, yourself if you want. The main thrust of this is to go through the each of these chapters, get all the get as many cards as you can, rebuild your deck, and then go on to the multiplayer bit where you play against other players on the PS3 network. All right. On the PSN network, sorry. Um, and that's where the main thrust of this game is. That's where the real challenge is, because you'll be playing against live players from around the world. Yeah. Um, and the game, I, the game as a single player experience is very limited. Once you've gone through all four, you uh, all all four Yu-Gi-Oh series, and you've all unlocked all the characters, that's pretty much the limit of the single player game. But playing against other people online, you know, it's a nice way if you are a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh. But you can't afford to buy new cards all of the time. Is there like is it sort of um, standardised that everyone uses the same system? Because I know that like they change up how the the card game itself works. Yeah, so. um, basically everyone will be using the same system. Right, uh, it's the same system for everybody if they're using Millennium Jewels, and Millennium Jewels, you know, depending on they do do some changes here and there, some tweaks. They have like the legendary bit that's on the side there with the second deck and. You know the other bits that they ha that they added in from, like uh, you know all those changes have been added in. They're all included mm -hmm. from the very start. So if I can I can only assume that if they do make any changes to the rules in the future or how the game is played in the future, that they'll do those as kind of a uh, an update, right? And they'll just do that automatically. I'm assuming that's what will happen. That would be the best way to do it in order to keep things you know in order to maintain parity with everybody. 
But we'll see how that goes. As a multiplayer experience, it's actually not that bad. You know, um, there's no real chat functions or anything like that between players. You just basically go on, duel them, that's yeah. it. You know, um, but aside from that, it's not bad. I like my I like my trading card games. You know, um, but Yu Gi Oh was one that I never really got into. It just seemed a bit too weird. I used to play in college. It's a lot of fun. You probably enjoy this then. You probably enjoy this a lot. Although my deck was built up of the cards my friends didn't want. Yeah, so I wasn't that serious about it. But I didn't. I have one card that um, gave my monster 100 attack points for every um, monster in my graveyard and because the rest of them were terrible I had a lot of monsters in my <laughs> graveyard it's like oh I've got no cards but this one yeah, it has 80 billion attack yes um, right that's basically it it's an interesting game it's mainly one for fans of Yu-Gi-Oh um, if you're not a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh if you're not into your trading card games there are dueling of any sort then you probably want to avoid but if you are a fan you could check, you know, you could do worse than check it out because it is compatible, as I said, with the uh, 5D's Decade Jewels Plus DLC. So, you know, have a look at it if you're a fan. Moving on, Ben, I believe you have Dragon yes. Ball. More Dragon Ball for Ben. Yep. It seems to be my challenge now to go for all the Dragon Ball series that come in. Um, for context, Ben has never seen any Dragon Ball until reviewing GT a few weeks ago. Yeah. I um so this is the first one, the original Dragon Ball. Um story is a girl called Bulma is um going on an adventure to try and find the Dragon Balls. And when she finds all eight of them, she'll be able to um wish to a dragon. The seven make... seven, sorry. Well that's on the wrong. Tell how much I love this series. Um <laughs> so um when you um she goes on an adventure to find the seven Dragon Balls and on her way, she finds a naive but very strong child called Goku, who possesses one of the Dragon Balls. The four-star ball. Correct. Um, <laughs> Dragon Ball <laughs> trivia. <laughs> Got this. Um, and she convinces him to come with her to um, venture around and find the other Dragon Balls. On their way, they meet other characters looking for the Dragon Balls, or they convince other people to find the Dragon Balls, including talking pig men... And pervy turtle people. And an amazingly uh, formidable Yamcha. <laughs> he has his moment. <laughs> he has a moment. Yeah, it doesn't last long. No. So, um. I enjoyed it. Okay. But I found a lot of it a lot, very entertaining. But it's very clear I am not the target audience for this. It okay. is extremely childish at points. They have a lot of jokes early on. Take that's... that back. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode was nothing but toilet humour through the whole thing. And that carries on through a lot of the series. But like once it started... As it went on, there was less and less toilet humour. And I started getting into it more. Yeah. Like, um, I liked Goku in this. I, I didn't like him when I watched GT... Because yeah. he was an adult who was turned into a child, and he was acting like a kid when he should have been an adult. Yeah. And this, he is actually a kid. Yeah. And he's basically been sheltered his whole life. He doesn't know anything about the world. So he's curious and, yeah. you know. He's a fish out of water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eventually. So, so he, when he first um, meets Bulma, 
he's looking around to try and find a tail because he's got a tail. Con- context she, of that context. Because context. he has a monkey's tail, but she doesn't. And as far as he knows, people have tails. Uh, mm. To be fair, he in the manga he does also check for the other tail. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, in the episode, he like he just slaps her there where she's sleeping, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> what's going on? There's nothing there. So he takes off her panties and then just ah, oh, thank you for sharing. Just leaves them off. Doesn't really bother putting them back or anything. So it's like we're <laughs> <laughs> heading into weird territory now. Yeah, it, it's a weird show. <laughs> Uh, ben, you may realise later on that Bulma's panties are one of the most valuable items in the Dragon Ball universe. Yeah, that's a strange revelation. <laughs> um, the, at one point, there was a wish. Oh, yes. The little... Yes. <laughs> How many yeah. episodes are in this uh, collection? Um, oh, I can't think. remember. It's four discs, eight episodes a disc. Oh, so uh, it's a fair crack there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it's it's like because I think there's 64 episodes, isn't there, in the entire run of Dragon Ball, the original series? Yeah, something um, And I think it's uh, there's this half, and then there's another half coming out soon yeah. at some point. Um, but okay. yeah, so, so overall, a, good lot in there. So he, it's good, but um, if you're older, there's going to be parts that are quite childish. Well, but it was a kids' show, so. The people will have watched it when they were younger. Yeah, as well, so. yeah. Uh, most people who are watching this are doing it for a nostalgia trip. Not a, they're not new to the series. Cool. Okay, I watched some Shonen, uh, Shonen as well over the last few weeks. Yes, I've been watching uh, Magi, the lab. Magi, Magi. Ah, well, in the show they pronounce it a few different ways. Yeah, I know, but the actual English term is Magi. Oh, shut up, Rob. Let him do his review. <laughs> Magi, the labyrinth yeah. of magic. As I say, they, they call him Maggie, Maggie, whatever in the show. I know. But regardless, um, it's fairly new. It aired between October 2012, March 2013. So it's like about two, two seasons ago, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's actually quite a breath of sh- uh, fresh air in the show and, uh, the show and like, genre, really. Um, it's got a very rich setting. It's set in the Arabian Nights kind of setting. Um, but not too heavily tied to fact. It's more sort of that uh, genies exist and uh, the setting's quite... Um, all very, very heavily themed yeah. without being stuck to having to... Se- so it's like, all got the mythology, but not following it to a, a version Basically, of the mythology. Basically, Alibaba doesn't have to stop every 40 seconds to say Open Sesame. Kind of oh, thing. Open Sesame happens a few times. Yes, but, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the story follows... Um, Alibaba, as you mentioned, yeah, um, he's uh, quite naive and idealistic. Um, he's got a strong sense of purpose, and un- unusually for a show and anime, doesn't seem to want to fight everyone that comes along. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he seems to have like a greater sense of purpose about what he should do and responsibility. Yeah, and he'll crack at times, and he'll be quite vulnerable. So he's he's very different to sort of the the Goku, the Natsu, the that sort of hero. Yeah. That, and he's guided a lot by um, Aladdin, who is the, ty- the titular Magi. Yeah. Ma- Magi. Yeah. He's um, he's a sorcerer who. It's explained to him because Aladdin doesn't know what he is initially. In that he's meant to guide kings, he's meant to guide someone into rule. Yeah. And he doesn't realise he's doing this at the start. He can summon a large genie from a flute. Called Ugo. Called Ugo, but not completely. No. Nope. Ugo's head never comes out with the flute, which means... 
which means uh, sometimes not even all of Ugo comes out of the fl- flute. Sometimes it will just be a huge pair of arms. Or legs. Or legs, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, or whatever. Uh, Aladdin and Ugo are basically a bit of a deus ex machina for the first portion, yeah. until the power levels kind of even out. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's... Uh, there's I'm trying to find her name to pronounce it properly. They call her Morge quite a lot, but Morgiana yeah. is initially a slave who, uh, after being freed from a bond, joins them and joins the, uh, as well. She's also extremely strong. Very strong. It's explained that she comes from the Dark Continent, where they are a tribe of people who kick lions. Yeah, basically, she's, <laughs> she's from a race called the Finalis, um, uh, which sounds a bit like finalists. <laughs> in some kind uh, of sometimes they say something like Fonalise yeah Fonalise explanation yeah. but oh yeah they, they <laughs> no, say no that's 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 basically what they are and the, the dark continent appears to be Africa Ooh. which of course I had the uh, Morgiana has like quite thick black eyeliner and uh, red hair and very pale skin so yeah. it's it's a little bit like um, Mean Girls if you're for the dark continent <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the, the whole show is a little bit of whitewashing in that the characters yeah. look very, uh, very shonen Japanese style and no one looks particularly that Arabian apart from the makeup and uh, yeah. the costume design is very, very yeah. themed and very nice, actually. The characters are quite likeable and uh, it's I found it very easy to watch the, uh, the full run of the first series. Uh, it comes on three discs per part. Yeah. It's part one and part two. Um, the uh, the first about 13, 14 episodes on the first part and the uh, the remainder on the second. And uh, that's the entirety of The Labyrinth of Magic. They released a second series about a year later yeah. called The Kingdom of Magic. And I'm not going to get too much into the plot details or spoil it particularly. Yeah, there's no, there's no point because it'll be coming out at some point. But it does lead you... Um, the, the, the arc for the first series is quite satisfying... And it does leave you with a lot of plot points to tie up and a lot of interesting characters you've been introduced for as a taster for the second series to sort of, like, you will be... If you enjoy it, you'll probably want to see the second series when when it's available on DVD as well. Fantastic. I'm Christopher Sabat, the voice of Vegeta, Piccolo, Yamcha, and a few others on Dragon Ball Z. And the Geek Show is over 9,000! Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. Right, okay, Hello. Uh, we're in animation and graphic literature. Why do why do so many shonen titles rely on the fish out of water format? You mentioned you were talking about Magi. Aladdin is a fish out of water. Well yeah, he it. has no idea who he is to start with. You know, um, um, uh, he's he's a lot of it has to be explained to him, including um, like social interaction has to be explained to him. Yeah. And Alibaba does get jealous of Aladdin. Yeah, because the first thing Aladdin does on being introduced to um, a harem kind of situation yeah, he is makes... bury his face directly in a woman's chest. Mm, yes. One of those series, yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's not that bad once it gets past, like, uh, it's like a few comedy bits in the first few episodes that yeah. are like, but then afterwards it comes The big down. blue female genie was kind of pushing it, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was definitely pushing it. Although Ugo's reaction was funny. Because hmm. <laughs> you don't see his face. There's just a flute there. Otherwise, it's kind of common, really. Well, yeah, have, I mean... Like, Bleach is a classic example. He's a guy, and there's a new world that he has to discover, and all these new yeah. powers that he has to learn. And that You're is a Shinigami the, now. Uh, yes. Is, oh, it's like a male or female lead. Like, Inuyash is basically the same thing. Only she meets yeah. this demon yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Hitman Reborn. Yeah, it's just so... Played out a lot of a lot of it is a, a very like you're a wizard Harry yes yeah, kind of situation. Right, I mean, fairy tale. Even though Lucy is from the same world as everyone else, she goes she, to she, join she, the she's guild. An entry point, really. Yeah, yeah. We can understand this, you know, yeah. world through. I mean, we were talking earlier about things like um, the uh, the old X Men cartoon used uh, Jubilee. Jubilee yeah. as an entry point. The films used Rogue. Yeah, but the, the the character that's taken to the school and shown what what mutants are, how they're threatened, all that sort of thing, after being told that they're a wizard. <laughs> Regardless of what you are, you're still a wizard. I'm sorry. The, the the have you seen the how it should have ended for Frozen? Yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, where she's taken to the Xavier Institute for Gifted Children. Yes. <laughs> I just love the Wolverine bit at the end, you know. And then um, Iceman going cold never bothered me anyway. Yeah, the the bit at the end that she's at the Xavier Institute and leading a musical sing-along. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then Wolverine comes in, looks looks like what's going on, and then bursts into song because it's Hugh Jackman. And, <laughs> <then pops. laughs> yeah. and then he just stares at Iceman going, hmm. <laughs> Actually, Back on topic, yeah. anyway. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of which, have you seen... Um, Hugh Jackman singing um, to the tune of uh, Les Mis's Who Am I they got him to sing a version of that which is the Wolverine version <laughs> can't say I have no. I think I'll have to look this yeah. up <laughs> like, I haven't seen it but I think my life will be richer for it I don't know <laughs> anyway yeah. um, what, why make them fish out of water though because we it's know that laziness, really. It's the same reason he's the world. We've got to get into it how well, we can't just... It's make them more likable character than having them someone who's lived in the world well, and just knows not, nothing. N- not, ne- not necessarily, because, I mean... the, the One big... Piece and Hunter x Hunter, they're exactly. all very yeah. aware of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, gone, uh, uh, they're, gone... both, they're both idiots, but yeah. they know what they're doing. I mean, gone and, both Gon and Luffy know about pirates and hunters. They might not know everything... But they know they know enough to want to be involved, get into that world. Yeah, yeah. like the new villain of the week will ex- uh, will appear and have to explain his bizarre power. But otherwise, the situation is not the as world. bad as how they do it in the root. They get really elaborate and into the you know minutia yeah. of everything, which is silly. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the occasions as well. Naruto does fit in that field with Naruto, uh, One Piece, and Hunter X Hunter. Yeah, where yeah. okay. This is so a character who knows the what, world he's in. What I would pose as a question: Is there a better way of doing an introductory arc than the fish out of water story? N- no, honestly, because it'd just be a huge, horrible, clunky info dump somewhere along the line, and it just won't sit well. Uh, as what I have seen I don't, done, I, in, I don't agree. What but I have seen done in anime quite a few times is with varying levels of success is the first episode is a midpoint of the series episode. Yeah. The second episode is the um, so the origin. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah there, there is something to what to what Dave says. Um, uh, 
surprisingly... Well, it's just reordering the episodes, really. It is basically the same thing. Yeah, but there, there are other ways of doing it. I mean, I've, uh, I've just finished, catch, finished watching Space Brothers, mm-hmm. and I've mentioned this series to Rob several times. Several. Try a couple of hundred. <laughs> hey, was I wrong about Hunter x Hunter? No. Well, exactly. Well, Jim Tonkin <laughs> does it... Uh, sorry, Gintama does it the way that I said there. Yeah. The first, the first, let's say, three episodes are... Yeah. Dive straight into it. This is what the series is like from the midpoint. Yeah, and yeah, then it's the two you know, lackeys, uh, Kagura and Shimpachi, they're the the fish out of water. There. Yeah, they're yeah. the fish out of water. Um, but Kentucky is basically the same as he always is. Um, but uh, Space Brothers uh, does basically what you're saying, but what it does, it spaces it out so that the flashbacks occur over a series of episodes. Mm-hmm. So the story keeps moving along, and what they do it is kind of a. They, they've, they've written it in so that when the character is actually reminiscing, that's when the flashback yeah. happens. So it doesn't just... You a know. little bit similar in things like Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, that kind of thing. Where the, the first arc is taking down that corrupt church Yeah. before you have the then, well, this is who these people are Yeah. and where they come from and why they're like this. Kind of like that. A bit more broken up than yeah. having it all in one arc. And I like the way, they, the, way, the way they did it in Space Brothers. Now, Space Brothers isn't the typical kind of shonen story it's more seinen than shonen but uh you know it just feels like there seems to be it's very shonen in that approach the fish out of water mm-hmm. you know it, i really don't understand why because it's kind of assuming that the audience are idiots yeah they mostly are to be honest <laughs> do you think like uh, the point where a character becomes is a char- there's a lot of characters that are initially a fish out of water but will mature into a lot of the times, the fish out of water is, becomes well, the most ca- powerful oh, character. I, I the way they do it is the everyman. Like uh, Toriko, not a good series at all, yeah. but it has that little screaming Shinpachi type. Yeah, who's the yeah. constant fish out of water? That's well, another way. Well, I mean, yeah. you look at it, uh, yeah. the co- thing is one of the trends now. I mean, uh, I'm going to put Guilty Crown to one side for a second. Oh, right. in that the main character is uh, yeah a normal like. Yeah. Pretty much a neat, isn't he? That just yeah. I'm not, I'm not even going to touch that because uh, if you want to know my thoughts on it, read my review. It's on the website. Um, but look at games where look, look at anime where it's based on a video game or on a video game world. So things like Dot Hack or Sword Art Online. Uh, the most recent one, uh, Log Horizon, mm-hmm. that did the whole fish out of water thing really well. Yeah, because they weren't so much they they were fish out of water in the sense that they were actually trapped in the game. Now, they were familiar with the game, they were very familiar with the game, but all the rules had changed. It was a bit like Sword Art Online, but it's much better than Sword Art Online because it doesn't focus on one Wibbly character who goes yeah. off on his own and acts all emo and then has a time skip and various things like that. It's basically how these group of characters come together to try and build a future because they don't know how to get home. Mm-hmm. Comics, on the other hand. Yes, comics, on the other hand. Are completely wired the other way around. They use the fish out of water to really do some neat, you know, innovations. I mean, why the last man? That's not nothing typical there at all. It is stretching the fish out of water thing to the nth degree. Yeah. It's not just here's a character you don't know the world. Here's the character. He's the only one of them in the whole world. It's mm. There's lots of stuff like that in the comics. Not so much anime. No, manga, sorry, but comics, Western comics, definitely. Well, Preacher as well. Um, Jesse Custer has the, you know, he has the, he's basically got the word of God. He has the power of God in his voice. Um, I just thought of He-Man there. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have the power, and Adam West turns into but a thing dragon. Is, Jesse Custer is raised uh, raised to be a preacher by his Bible bashing, you know, uh, Bible bashing. Was it his grandmother or something like that? Uh, and then he escapes from un, uh, you know from her clutches, and he's very much fish out of water for most of the time because he has no clue what he's doing. All he knows is that he has to try and find God to have this power removed because yeah. it's more like a curse for him. He can't get close to anyone. Incredible Hulk much. Yeah, Incredible Hulk. No, I'm but, just saying that's a rip-off. Incredible Hulk boy. Not God, really. God and stuff. Not really, because uh, as long as B- Banner could c- control his temper, he was fine. Yeah, no, but he was always wanting rid of it. Hey? He yeah, was always he was wanting always rid of it. He was looking for the next solution. Or the next yeah, he was always looking for the next solution, but Jesse Custer knows that God could actually f- get rid of this power. No, fair enough, fair enough. And so he's looking for God, who has fled heaven, basically. Anyway, enough of the religion. But there's others, there's others like that. I mean, uh, there is, in a sense, uh, I don't know. And it's, uh, would you say the Silver Surfer was a fish out of water? Not really. Well, in he doesn't really have water he, to be a he, fish in. He travels the cosmos, yeah, and that's he, he visits quite strange places. He's usually not accepted because of his history. Yeah, people people don't particularly yeah, he's like. Not, the he's not a constant anywhere enough to be, hmm. you know, a fish hmm. out of water there. Are there any superheroes who you would class as fish out of water? It's all about where they are. Far is when he's on Earth. Yeah. But yeah. That's only when he's on Earth. He's not there all the time. Captain America, he? technically, being out of time. Initially, yeah. yeah. Have you get? seen... Uh, it's a children's manga, uh, but it's uh, just been released in Japan, starring the Avengers. So to reintroduce Japanese children... Oh, is that to the, yeah. the chibi one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, But I've seen yeah. plot lines involving Thor has all of his armour and Molnir taken away from him at airport security. <laughs> and the, good uh, security. The, <laughs> really good security. The Hulk is malnourished because he doesn't like Japanese food. <laughs> Hulk will just eat. Oh. So, in point. a sense, the entire Avengers team are fish out of water in Japan, <laughs> in Japanese culture. Um, because I was like a grown-up, Hulk would just start eating people. No, no, no. <laughs> all it needs is Bill Murray and it would be lost in translation. <laughs> Okay. Any other titles that sort of stand out as being innovative as Fish Out of Water rather than here is an idea and we're just going to barely do anything like anime does with the whole idea? We really need Chris for this. Yeah. He'd talk about stuff that we well, don't know about. I, I was mentioning some of the like traditional fishes out of water earlier. Like, yeah. Um, things like Jimmy Olsen. Is, yeah. He was brought into the Superman... Uh, as a sidekick for Superman quite a lot well, to, and he, he would meet superheroes while definitely not being one have you noticed how sidekicks always seem to be that though I mean Robin Tim Drake mm-hmm. was brought in from pretty much out of nowhere to be Batman's new sidekick yeah and not understanding the world and having to have everything expl- yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Todd was the same but people didn't like him that's why they <laughs> killed him well, he, brutally. Came, he got better. Quite brutally killed him. He got better. <laughs> Put a plaster on it. <laughs> Jason Todd came back with the he Red was, Hood, wasn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I watched that movie recently. I found it quite fu- quite funny because he was beaten uh, pretty much to death and then blown up by the Joker. Oh, yeah, but comic books. <laughs> yeah. Death doesn't mean a thing in comic books. Not when Lazarus And then you've got the eternal sidekick, Rick Jones. Yeah, he's the amount of things he's been exposed to that give other people. He superpowers. should be the ulti- <laughs> He should be the ultimate superhero. Like, 
one day he might actually die, and then he'll just wake up and have all the powers. Well, it wasn't he, Rick Jones, like, basically near the gamma explosion that caused the Hulk? Basically, Bruce Banner saved Rick Jones and got most of the gamma radiation, because at the time, people assumed that gamma radiation just goes in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently, Rick Jones wasn't exposed to Eddie, even though he was lying in a ditch right next to Bruce Banner. But he's been... a ton of other people's sidekicks, hasn't he? He was Captain Marvel's sidekick, which meant he got trapped in the negative zone while Marvel was, uh, you know, going around doing his superhero stuff. Yeah. Which meant he also had power from the negabands and the negative zone, plus the gamma radiation. Um, He's been, uh, he's taken on the role as Captain America's sidekick, uh, as well as Bucky Barnes, which meant he's probably had a little bit of the super soldier serum from, like, blood transfusions from Captain America. Um, he's uh, he's been hit by just about every single cosmic beam known to man, comic book man that is. Mm. He should be the ultimate power in the universe, but he's not. Maybe he is the ultimate nullifier. If Galactus comes back, just throw a Rick Jones at him. Maybe he's actually like the ultimate bad guy, but he's just biding his time and collecting all the powers. Well, like Silas. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's his name, is it? Sila? Sila. Sila. Yes. Well, the last time I looked, Rick Jones was happily married to a former to a former model slash porn star. Yay. Well, he's doing well for him, his husband. Yeah, anyway. Um, all right, shall we, t- shall we do Pick of the Geek? <laughs> sure. Yes. Top three. Where are we? Uh, yeah, top three fish out of water cartoons or anime, or fish out of water comics or manga. You know, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, but I love Black Lagoon. Actually, that is a perfect fit. Like, because Rock is a fish out of water. He's the most fish out of water. He's a businessman stuck into a. No, he's not even a businessman. He's just a salary man. Yeah, (laughs) so he's stuck into a mercenary group. Yeah, it's like, so I I'd thought like. Just him learning how to live in this world was really interesting. Yeah. Because it was more of a story about how he learned to live in that world. Yeah. Yeah, all the action and stuff like that just happened as an aside. He was the one who got stuck in that world because his bosses... What was it? They sold him? I can't remember. It was something like that. They sold him... Uh, or oh, they gave him away as a... Yeah, he was a hostage, wasn't he? He was a hostage, but then they, they let them keep him. Yeah. The people who had him hostage. <laughs> Yes. I hate bosses like that. <laughs> <coughs> Anyone else? Rob, pick the geek. Nope. Nope. No comics? You don't even want to suggest Wise? What's that then? Hey? What's that? Wise? Pick of the geek? Wise? Yeah, the last man. Not really. You not repeating myself. We're asking you to recommend, not repeat. Yeah, exactly. Not repeating. <laughs> <laughs> Dave? Sorry, Brain is completely gone. Give me two seconds. I'm going to go with Hitman Reborn. Starts off very fish out of water. And weirdly enough, um, he stays fish out of water for a good portion of the uh, series, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, all of it. Even at the end, yeah? <laughs> There's uh, not many shows where they stay the fish out of water through the entire thing. Oh, it, it, um, well, there was quite a backlash that people hated the ending. 
was wanting yeah. some sort of resolution rather than him just maintaining the fact that he was not the 10th. Yeah. Nor the Neo 10th. Yeah. <laughs> it was nothing to do with the uh, Von Guller family. I find it amazing that, uh, like, Ichigo's cycle of being the fish out of water. Yeah. He's uh, In the first series, he's told he's a Shinigami. Yeah, he is. Like, in the second... Like, the second major arc, the Arankars, he's been he's he's told uh and you're half hollow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are the Arankars. You're like a bit of one of these. Yeah, that's true. Um later on Oh, uh yeah, full brings a thing. You you're one of those as well. And don't forget the hell powers. Well that's not canon, is it? That's that's a movie. But whatever the situation no, is No, the full the full bringers is canon. No, no, I never said that. Yeah. I the hell powers hell Oh powers the Hell Powers is, is a movie, yeah. Yeah. And then in the latest series, uh, this manga, just in the manga, there's the, um, you're a Quincy Ichigo. <laughs> <laughs> See, whenever they call him Quincy, I'm thinking of the 1970s uh, TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is that. But his, his secular fish should, out of water. Should be Columbo. <laughs> oh, the enemy of Quincy is the Columbo. <laughs> yeah. Columbo, Columbo would kick his ass if he did. Just um, just one more one more thing. Yeah, before I go. Hi there, I'm Robert Rankin, and you're listening to the the Geek Show. Oh yes. Uh, almost finished the show on our fish out of water episode. Yes, uh, we do have a little bit of a discussion now. Um, why are people scared of movies, games, animation? That's different. Ah. Too spooky. It's different. Yeah, you know, it might have a different art style. It might have a different animation style. It do might you mean like producers, or do you mean the consumer? I mean the consumer. Why? For the basic why is the reason, people don't really have that vast a taste. People know what they know and like what they like. Generally speaking, and things that are different and that. No, I'm not saying everybody. Not even yeah. everybody in this room. But yeah. as a general yeah. consensus, most people just couldn't care less about something that's well, a little bit wibbly or. You know, left field. Arm. I mean, if we're talking <laughs> games and it's a it's a forty quid release, yeah, that's a bit of a punt on something you might not like. Yeah, well, for games, yeah, 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 that's true. But otherwise, I'm not saying for every medium that's the same case. Because like, um, I know people would rather sit and watch films they've seen a thousand times than spend an hour of the time on something new. People are very conservative, basically. So, yeah. And that's like less of a commitment, really, isn't it? Like two hours of your time to watch a film that's a little bit well, different from your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, generally, the only way people will try that is with recommendations from friends and that sort of thing. I think you need a bit of social push to try something different. Yeah, yeah. I, I try and get all my friends to watch Bacchanal because I love the show so much. And I watched that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's they good, took it off it? Netflix though. Oh. Damn them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if I didn't recommend it to them, yeah, they wouldn't have watched it. Like, I had a friend who had read the synopsis of it and gone, "That doesn't sound any good." And it wasn't until I told them to. Well, I mean, even something a bit more left field in uh, in anime, Kaiba. I mean, yeah. if you look at Kaiba, the art the art style is very stylistically, it's very different to the usual anime stuff mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people wouldn't watch it just because of how it looks yeah you know, simply because of how it looks back and at least looks like an anime yeah yeah cash and sins there you go it looks yeah, like flash animation yeah. yeah it's a great example but uh, 
it's a great show. As I say, I do think that like um, peer pressure is like uh, a force for good and evil in this situation. In that, like introducing people to new things or like n- not watching it because no one you know watches it. Or weirdly, g- video games seem to have a different take on things because uh, there's a lot more press for yeah. the unusual. There's a lot I, more, I was, you know. I was going to mention that in games, particularly the indie yeah. circuit, you are getting. If something is different, if something's weird, it will get so much more coverage. It'll yeah. get so much more publicity than it w- than something similar. You know, something because conceptually similar yeah. in a different medium. Uh, yeah, I guess like Goat Simulator will get a lot of attention for being what's well, a gag. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for being a joke, but it gets attention. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was more excited when I saw Goat Simulator than I was about the new Halo game, and I love Halo. But Goat Simulator seemed a lot more fun. I thought you were going to say you love goats for a second there. I do love goats. <laughs> they are beautiful creatures. Have you been around any goats? Yes. How how long for? Too long. Ben has a restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's just like... In gaming, like AAA gaming... Everything's gone a bit brown first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, it's got to the point that people are getting sick of it. So they're looking for things that are different. And the indie market is cashed in on it so much because they are trying anything. They, they don't have... They're not staking their whole company on the success of one title. Mm. Like people like EA are. Yeah, I mean, I think with films, part of the problem is distribution. Yeah. If something's a it's little all bit, the problem, yeah. If something's a little bit different, it's not going to be as accessible in terms of even if people want to see it, they have to go out of their way. You yeah, know, exactly. like w- what cinemas are showing it, how long it's shown for. This is all like vastly cut down to what it would be for a like a big release. It's all yeah. fish out of water stuff. That's the link. <coughs> yeah, might sound a bit off the left field as well. Yeah, yeah. I've I've lost the will now. Just just put me out of misery. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Take him out so, back and shoot him. <laughs> you're right about that, Dave. Because games can be accessed anywhere easily now. Like if you've got a half decent PC, you can download any game. Yeah, yeah. The App Store has. Well, you don't even need a half decent PC. You just yeah. need any. You just need any kind of uh, console from yeah. the PS3, Xbox 360. Set a movie. You can't, generation upwards. You can't exactly go to that one cinema. In the middle of nowhere, that's playing the one film that you want to see. I mean, well, me, London, London yeah. has everything. Me and Jen do occasionally do the Netflix roulette. Yeah. We it's will a just very, very dangerous game. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it's a dangerous game, but it can be fun, and you can see, you can find bizarre things. But um, yeah, then I think that sort of service will help people see things that are outside yeah. their comfort zone that are a bit different. Not only that, I mean, in in, in the case of movies, if the, you know companies like Arrow. And masters of cinema. Well, they're not really. They're catered to an audience. They catered to an audience, audience, but is, you know, very, more people very were, adventurous, and yeah, most mm-hmm. people don't know what an arrow is. And or that's what I'm saying. If if there was more publicity given over to them, then more people might actually decide to watch some of their releases and get. Uh, as much as I love those guys, that's not going to happen. I think, unfortunately, I we're in a world where everyone's shouting. So, how do yeah. you hear any one individual voice? Yes, right. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to cut you guys short. We are at the end of the show. Uh, a few announcements to make before we play you out. Um, next quiz will be on May the 14th at Mink. 
And Chris, our lovely Chris, who is away while he finishes university, has sent us a message. Uh, he is working on his CCAD project in his final year. Uh, he's making a set piece based on the fantasy novel The Red Pyramid. Uh, if mm. anyone wants to support him, you can uh, get in touch with us. We'll pass it along, studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. Um, we have been The Geek Show. I've been Rob. Next week we're talking bad signs, and yes. I have also been a person. He has also <laughs> been Rob, but not me. Bad science, you say? Bad, bad science. science. Inspired by transcendence. Yes. Ah. Which is basically the lawnmower man. Yes. Oh, only, course, only the lawnmower man was better. The lawnmower <laughs> man, but stupid. Yes. <laughs> That's everything. Um, <laughs> I'm a Dave. I'm a Ben. All right, we'll see you all next week. Take care, have fun. Bye. Peace out. Bye. For 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.